0: This is reset i'm sasha ann simons every week on the show we discuss different topics about our health and recently we asked you what health conversations you wanted to hear on the program we then got this message from lisa in naperville the topic i suggest for you to cover on your show is menopause all the things around it like when should you take estrogen when should you not what are the things other things that you can do to deal with symptoms would be helpful and also just to normalize the conversation that menopause exists and it's not some dirty thing that only women deal with privately. So that's what we're diving into today. Thank you, Lisa, for your great suggestion. Now on the line to guide us through menopause 101 is Dr. Tracy Kurtzer, gynecologist and menopause specialist at the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. Hi,
1: Dr. Kurtzer, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for covering this topic.
0: Thank you for joining. All right, doctor, I want to start with the basics. What is menopause?
1: Always good to start with the basics. Yes. Um, so menopause is the end of a person's menstrual cycles. Um, spontaneous menopause is defined as the absence of a period for the preceding 12 months that's not due to some other you know, reason or cause. And so basically, those of us with ovaries were born with a set number of oocytes or eggs eventually those start to run out and when that happens the secretion of two hormones estradiol and progesterone um, those two main hormones start to decrease And so that would be spontaneous menopause when that happens. And then menopause can also be induced, though. I always like to mention surgically or chemically, like some forms of radiation or chemotherapy can sometimes um, in those situations create, um, uh, you know, non-functional ovaries or absent ovaries Mm -hmm. in the case of surgery. So sometimes it's induced menopause. I see. Yeah, I was learning
0: a lot of terms as I was getting ready to talk with you doctor uh, as Uh it pertains to menopause and you just introduced me to a new one which is spontaneous menopause I mean are there people who are more likely to experience menopause earlier or later
1: in life Mm -hmm. well it's um First of all, it's a universal experience, right? If we live long enough, for those of again with us of us with ovaries, um, most often it's going to occur within the ages of like forty-five to fifty-five. But it can actually start as early as forty, or go as late, or happen as late as age sixty, and still be considered completely normal. Um, premature menopause, or sometimes you'll hear the term premature ovarian insufficiency. That's when this happens to somebody who's under the age of 40 years. Okay. And there are some risk factors for that. There's um, some autoimmune and other medical conditions that can predispose. There's a few genetic conditions that can predispose. Um, but some of it just has to do, you know, with um, family history and genetics that aren't necessarily even just defined conditions why we might go through menopause mm-hmm. um, early in a, in a spontaneous way like that. I see. Um, later, menopause is not as common. You'll see an occasional woman over the age of 60, but that's certainly not as prevalent as early menopause.
0: Yeah. Well, this is a good time to ask Marie in Oak Park's question. Marie called us and said that she started having symptoms at the age of 45, and then they went away for a few years and came back, and she's now 71. And says that she's still having severe menopause symptoms. Is that something you've come across, doctor?
1: Yeah, I mean we treat a lot of different variations of menopause and I guess that's what one thing about it is it can be a very unique experience for every person but there are some things that tend to occur and vasomotor symptoms as you mentioned which are those hot flashes and night sweats are one of the most common symptoms that occur in about 80 percent of patients going through menopause so those symptoms on average are going to last for seven years so that's kind of a misunderstanding that's out there because oftentimes people say oh it's going to be over in a couple years don't worry about it well the, some of the larger trials that were done over the years really showed that it can last much longer. And then, um, there's some racial and ethnic differences there too. So mm-hmm. black and Latino women, um, on average, they may last as long as 10 years for them. Wow. And it's not unusual for, um, some women into their seventies and eighties to still be having symptoms. Uh, but basically starting at 45 and having some on and off symptoms that's part of what we call menopause transition or you might hear the term perimenopause that's where they're starting to be some of these hormonal fluctuations, but the the hormones have not completely declined yet. Once that happens and it's been a full year without a cycle, that's, that's when somebody is menopausal. I see. Um, and, and so, of course, we've talked
0: about the fact that menopause can occur for other reasons aside from what we would consider natural, as you've explained. Surgical mm-hmm. menopause, that's also a thing, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that look like? So- So yeah, so the ovaries sometimes need to be removed for different um, conditions, typically gynecologic types of um, conditions like ovarian tumors or different cancers. Um, And when that, and sometimes they're done uh, removed also, I should say prophylactically, some women who have genetic risk factors for breast or ovarian cancer may choose to have their ovaries removed. And in those conditions, because they're often younger women having it done, it is a much more dramatic experience, right? Those hormones, instead of doing like the fluctuating and gradual decline, they suddenly become very low. So it's not um, uncommon to have pretty significant vasomotor symptoms and and other additional symptoms, you know, that um, happen at that time. And whether or not somebody can be treated with hormones or another treatment for them is really based on their, you know, risk factors, what was the reason for the surgery. So there's a lot that really goes into that decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something, you know, that the individual going through that or planning to have their ovaries removed um, should have those discussions with their surgeon before um, heading into surgery, right? Because it's not something you want to just have to deal with after the fact right. that having right. a plan in place really can make a huge difference in your quality of life um, and, you know, protecting your body too.
0: Yeah. Well, here's a question from Jamie in in Beverly. Jamie says, I went through menopause in my late fifties, no major symptoms then breast cancer at 56. And then I got all the symptoms of menopause. Why? Jamie says, I still get hot flashes at 63 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, with breast cancer, there are sometimes some treatments that actually can contribute to symptoms. So some of the um, chemotherapies that might be used, some of the medication treatments to prevent recurrent breast cancer are notorious for causing menopausal vasomotor symptoms as well. So it could be that, you know, if she is, on one of those medications that it's continuing symptoms for her uh, but again I would say menopause is it's um, all about relative hormone levels so when we go through menopause it's not like they go completely to zero <laughs> they're like there is still some level of hormone circulating uh, but it's just not at the same level it was when we were in her 30s and 40s so you may not have as many symptoms in that earlier phase. Maybe something changes where now those hormone levels have kind of dipped down into a different level of low, and then lo and behold, now you have these symptoms. Um, and I'll just throw in here at this point, there are some other medical conditions that will mimic menopause symptoms. So it's always important if you are kind of at those not so typical ages or it just doesn't make sense to you or your doctor, Mm -hmm. again, that's an appropriate time to reach out to a specialist because we will run other tests like Maybe it's actually a thyroid condition. Maybe there's some other type of tumor that's secreting chemicals that make it feel like you're having hot flashes or night sweats. So it's important oh. to get those scenarios checked out when it just seems a little um, unusual. Yeah, that, that can be
0: difficult, I think, to, to know if it's menopause you're experiencing and, and, and not something else. I mean, we got another call from Lisa in Evanston who says, I'm 56, my mother's 95, she was flashing till she was in her 80s. Can you talk more about that, doctor? I mean, hot flashes. Mm -hmm. Symptoms, you you mentioned symptoms can last for a long time. I feel like that's on the front and the back end. Like, I'm definitely going through some sort of, you know, some some bout of that now, especially Mm -hmm. overnight. And it's
1: a nightmare. Mm -hmm. It's an Mm -hmm. absolute nightmare. (laughs) Help. Help. Yes. Um, I don't think we, one, I appreciate the original caller because we don't talk enough about it. These these are really impactful symptoms. They're not just, oh, mm-hmm. you're having, know. you know, a cute little hot flash or night sweat. No. For many women, they can be quite significant, quite disruptive so to uncomfortable. our sleep, our well-being, um, our health. And um yeah, we talked a little bit already about the duration. It can't, they can last for um, in decades after actual cessation of the period, and they are treatable. So again, I think it's just there's no point in having uncomfortable symptoms um, that are also potentially affecting your health because having vasomotor symptoms has actually been. Um, implicated and related to later rates of cardiovascular disease, to loss of bone density or osteoporosis risk, and even to breast cancer risk. So by not treating those symptoms, it actually, there's some harm that can happen to us as well. So really um, reaching out and not not um, discounting those symptoms uh, for you know how significant they are just for our quality of life, but also for other reasons and and seeking treatment for them.
0: Yeah. All right. So got a couple more here for you, Doctor. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, treatment uh, some more. Lisa from uh, WBEZ, Lisa Labes says recent research I've read seems to indicate that women in peri and post menopause should concentrate on lifting heavy weights versus intense cardio exercise as a way to maintain the muscle that you have. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think after um, menopause, we start to have declines in our muscle mass. Um, And so, you know, sometimes shifting gears a little bit in how exercise is done um, can be really important. And it's also um, important to maintain good muscle balance and strength um, to prevent uh conditions like osteoporosis as well Um, also as we age you know balance falls things like that that maybe are more likely with muscle weakness we just are more prone to injuries so um, i would agree with that statement that move it does it cardiovascular exercise is still very important too but if you haven't already been doing some weight or resistance training particularly upper body we tend to get um Losses in, then it's definitely worth integrating that into your exercise routine. Yeah, you talked earlier about
0: uh, considering factors like family or or medical history. How does that work when it comes to to treatment? How how could some of those things change the way you would go about yeah. treatment?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I th- I would say for for individuals who are actively like symptomatic, having those vasomotor symptoms or who have known bone loss, who are maybe trying to prevent additional bone loss, uh, that hormone therapy is really considered the gold standard treatment for those symptoms and that's backed by all of the international menopause um, organizations. So it really should be primarily recommended to those people who wanna treat and who don't have contraindications to using hormones safely. Mm -hmm. So a couple things that um, maybe in your personal or family history, um, if you've had any hormonally sensitive cancers, things like breast cancer, Um, if you have abnormal bleeding, uh, uterine bleeding that hasn't been figured out yet, if you've had a history of a stroke or blood clots or a heart attack, um, if you've had liver disease or if you've had a blood clotting disorder diagnosed, those would all be reasons to not choose to be on hormone therapy um, and maybe pick something else um family history like a really strong family history of breast cancer although not a a complete contraindication to using hormones we do want to take that into account and um you know just make sure that there's adequate evaluation for that and um monitoring Mm -hmm. and then in some cases that would not be a choice that somebody with a strong family history would make to use hormone therapy. And we, we're really lucky that we do actually have quite a few really good alternative treatments now for hot flashes and night sweats. And there's a lot of really good bone building um, agents available now through a bone health specialist for treating um you know early bone loss how, how do you get access to that
0: how do you get access to that alternative treatment for hot flashes that you just mentioned
1: yeah i mean through either if your doctor is uh, well versed your gynecologist or primary care physician if they are comfortable in keeping up to date with menopause care and management they would know about some of those alternative I see. treatments if not um, you know reaching out to a menopause um, expert uh, you know through your local hospital like um, like at Northwestern and there's other ones across the city in Chicago. And for those who are maybe outside of Chicago, um, the Menopause Society, menopause.org has a wonderful site of menopause certified practitioners. So you can generally find somebody in your community. And if you don't, many of us do virtual appointments as well. Gotcha.
0: Don called us from the South Loop and, and was also talking about uh, hormone replacement therapy, which uh, she's currently going through, currently going through menopause. And, and one symptom that Don says she doesn't hear about often is joint pain. What mm-hmm. should we know about that?
1: Yeah, that is one of the, um lesser known (laughs) symptoms of menopause so the more common ones obviously we all know about like the vasomotor symptoms and then other real common ones uh cognitive changes like feeling like short-term memory word retrieval skills are off Mm -hmm. Uh, disrupted sleep is huge i i probably actually hear more about that than hot flashes and night sweats actually yeah um weight gain also very commonly reported and mood changes but and less commonly would be things like um, feeling panic attacks, um, skin and hair changes, and then uh, palpitations is one. And that can certainly also be, um, you know, what Don reported too, as, as a um, symptom, joint mm-hmm. aches and pains. And hormones can, um, in some cases, help with all of those symptoms. But it just depends. I mean, sometimes there are some other factors or things going on. If you have, you know, strong family history of rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. maybe there's some arthritis that's kicking in. Or if you've been a long distance runner your whole life, you know, maybe there's some um, loss of uh, joint structure from repetitive you know, damage from that. So you just have to take all those things into consideration. Let's
0: squeeze in a few more questions here that we've got. Uh, Karen from Burr Ridge also taking hormone replacement uh, for some horrible hot flashes. Karen is 71, and uh, the hormone replacement led to getting a blood clot in her
1: leg. What do you suggest she does? Um, Well, she would be advised to come off of hormones, of course, and would be most likely put on a blood thinner. Um, In some cases, the hematologist might want to run testing to see if she has some type of a genetic risk factor for blood clots, Uh, generally that would be a contraindication for using hormones in the future, but we sometimes make exceptions um, for that. And it really just depends on a lot of circumstances where there are other, maybe other factors that contributed to the blood clot as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically, we're moving more towards transdermal forms of estrogen uh, because it it seems like they may have a little bit less risk of activating blood clots than oral forms of estrogen. Um, Or again, if symptoms are... Uh, there, and it's decided that hormones aren't the best option, then again, there's a, there's a lot of alternative medications that are non-hormonal that wouldn't increase the risk of blood pl- plots that she could consider using to I treat see. her symptoms.
0: Uh, I'm curious about what you've seen in patients who've been diagnosed with COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah. we see, Any changes? Um, definitely. Um, just on a personal level, I have seen a lot more women coming in with um, earlier uh menopause very much more abrupt symptomology there's a lot of overlap between the symptoms of long covid which you may have heard of as kind of those ongoing symptoms that some people experience when they've uh, been exposed to covid and there's a lot of overlap with those symptoms and the the symptoms of menopause transition so night sweats sleep disruption weight gain or weight loss in some cases and, um, you know, uh, energy level being low, feeling a lot of fatigue. So we're seeing um, a lot more symptomology, I would say, that's kind of intensified for people who maybe have a combination of having long COVID symptoms, they're also at that age group where often they're starting to have some hormonal fluctuations or going through menopause too. Um, So it just really aggravates everything and it can sometimes make it a little bit harder for us, a challenge um, that I love to take on. And so I do run the menopause and hormonal um, part of our long COVID clinic here. And I do feel like, you know, kind of ferreting out what symptom is more likely due to post COVID, and which is more due to hormonal what's going to be helped by using hormones um, is you know very much a challenge now that i didn't have five years ago
0: final question from karina in saint charles what do we do as women to advocate for ourselves quick response doctor
1: we're almost out of time um, i would just say you know talk about it like we're doing in these talk about it with your friends and family Mention it to your doctors and don't let them, um, discount your symptoms, seek help through, uh, different books and organizations, websites that are out there and, uh, at last, you know, come seek help with a specialist if you need to. Uh, we definitely want to treat this for you. That's Dr. Tracy Kurtzer,
0: gynecologist and menopause specialist at the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. Thank you so much, doctor. That was a lot of questions. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time.